seven yeah. five. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ottawa Jamie. was like the like the the Red Blacks. That must have been the most awful comeback. In, <laughs> the fans must have been wondering, oh, here we go again. It's the Renegades all over again. But, <laughs> I'm surprised they weren't trying to bring back Carey midway through the season. But I guess Saskatchewan <laughs> yeah. did that. Yeah, it was like watching New Jersey Devil hockey in 1995 all over again. <laughs> they once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode numero noof of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. John Fraser and Travis Curra. Hey, are you are you coughing on purpose or is that a legitimate cough? That's a legitimate cough. I'm not trying to throw you off, Trav. Uh, it's, uh, I actually, I was taking my sip of tea before we did this, and I choked on it. I thought you were coughing at me for using the, the French uh, nuff instead of nine. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm all about the, uh, okay. the bilingual. It's uh, nuff, or it's, uh, I don't know any other languages. Now, you know me, and I usually don't tell you good job, but good job on the BC Lions Den podcast last week. Uh, thanks a lot. I was really, uh, I, I, I don't know why they wanted me on. We all know you're the talented one on this podcast, but uh, the guys were, were happy to have me on, had a lot of fun, and uh, obviously my reverse uh, my reverse pick'em skills were once again in full display when I picked the Riders to beat the BC Lions, so oh, the guys of the podcast, uh, hey, I'll, I'll have me on every week. I'll pick against your Lions, and they'll go ahead and win, because I'm awful at pick'em. I will say, if there's one guy in the CFL podcast community I I want to have a beer with, it's Mojo Kemp. Man, that guy's a cool cat. Both those guys, they yeah, love yeah. tailgating. I think uh, I, I think if we could ever do an episode, we'd have to do it at a tailgate party, like a joint episode, all four of us. Let's get together at a tailgate party someplace and uh, and make it happen. So, there, no, a lot of fun being on with the BC Lions then. There is talk of a giant podcast with all the podcasts at the Grey Cup. So uh, I have no idea how that would work at all, but I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would be too. But uh, you know, uh, Fraser Junior. Number one will be born about two weeks before the Grey Cup, so uh, I'm probably out. You're going to have to do that one for yourself in Winterpeg. I'm sure Lacey won't agree with this, but I really hope Fraser Junior. holds on and becomes a Grey Cup baby. <laughs> that would be that only be three weeks late, but uh, hey, we'll see what happens, right? <laughs> All right, let's get to the news. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. Okay, so uh, coming out today, I guess it came out yesterday, but made official today. Alex Suber signs in Saskatchewan. Of course, not only have they struggled on the defense, but they, they keep getting injuries as well. Like It keeps piling up, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Their injury list is un. 
unbelievable right now. It's as long as their practice roster. We don't know if Tristan Jackson is going to be out long term, but the fact that they brought in Alex Suber to me indicates that Jackson is probably headed to the sixth game, or maybe they're just looking for some more depth. I like this move because Suber, I know there was a lot of people complaining when they brought in Jeff Tisdale because the knock on Tisdale was he's physical and he's having a hard time adopting the new rules. Well, I watched Suber for a very long time in Winnipeg. Suber is great at being a cover corner and the way that he covers, he's not really physical. I don't think he he'll be able to adapt. He will be able to adapt to the new rules uh, really quickly, and he's going to look good doing it. A nice signing by the Riders. I mean, he's on the practice roster. So if Jackson's not as hurt as bad as we all uh, kind of fear, uh, there's a nice veteran presence, and that's what they need. They're starting so many rookies back there. But we'll get more into the Owen Foro Riders because we actually managed to convince somebody with actual real credibility to yeah. come on uh, as a guest with our podcast. Last time we tried having a guest, uh, it failed miserably because. <laughs> Uh, somebody didn't hit record, and it definitely uh, wasn't me. But uh, we do have uh, Sportsnet's Jamie Thomas. He's going to be on with us here shortly to uh, to talk some CFL. Yeah, we'll talk, uh, you know, the Riders 0-4 start with him. We'll talk uh, penalties with him. And a yeah, good point with Alex Suber because he's 5'7", 175 pounds, soaking wet. He can't afford to be physical with an SJ Green because <laughs> he'll just run him right over. So he, he I think he will do very uh, well with the, the new rules. Well, I watched him a long time when he was playing for the for the Blue Bombers, and that's back then people were saying, oh, he's not big enough, he's not physical enough. Well, this might be the new generation of uh, yeah. corner you need. Uh, I think uh, I think he'll do well in Saskatchewan. You just look at how uh, Jonathan Hefney is doing in Montreal right now. Small oh, guy, absolutely. but he's doing great. Absolutely. That whole, that whole Montreal defense, yeah. if I'm a defensive coordinator right now, I'm watching every second of film from them and going ahead and duplicating what they're doing because Montreal has figured out new CFL defense quicker than anybody, and they're beating the crap out of people doing it. In Edmonton, Chad Simpson was back at practice. Now, at this point, does it really matter? I don't think so. He's uh, been kind of underwhelming when healthy. And uh, a guy, we'll talk uh, more about, uh, I'm sure, about Shakir Bell when uh, we have Jamie on. But uh, I, I just, we don't get a lot of things right. But I'm feeling pretty good after he was named a CFL top performer this week, and we said to be high on him uh, early on this year. 18 carries, 144 yards. If he's still left in your league, folks, go get him. Yeah, if you were patient, it's really paying off. You've got yourself a uh, legitimate running back in Shakir Bell. Uh, Talking about legitimate running backs, C.J. Gable back at practice in Hamilton. Uh, Of course, they've got Ray Hawley, and they did cut loose Nick Grigsby. They've got, uh, what's that? other fellow's name again that's out for the year Uh, it is uh, Moses Madu yes he's gone for the year so I I think that Gable once he's back he's going to take all the carries but I don't think that Kent Austin I I think a running game is against his religion or something (laughs) Well, I, I don't think Hawley is is up to Ken Austin's standards. He had a good game last game, 6 for 47, but I think C.J. Gable brings just that unique ability to catch passes and make guys miss in open space, and that's going to bring a dimension to the Hamilton Tiger Cats that I think they're lacking a little bit. Uh, you kind of know what's going to happen uh, with the offense. You know that Zach Caleros is probably going to be passing, and look at the Montreal when they, even with Hamilton driving near 
the end of that game trying to come back. They brought everybody and their dog and their brother and their sister and their third cousin <laughs> on a blitz and just they because they knew what's what's coming here. Oh, guess what? Calaris is going to pass. Let's bring everybody. And they threw yeah. him off. He threw the game ending interception. Uh, so I think Gable is at least going to keep defenses honest. So you can't bring uh, the entire town of Atacokin, my hometown, uh, <laughs> on a blitz. Looks like Rico Murray back practicing as well. That's a big uh, part of the Hamilton defense. Uh, coming up this week for Winnipeg, looks like Greg Peach is going to miss the game at defensive end. And uh, sources out of Montreal saying that we could be seeing Michael Sam making his debut very soon uh, for Montreal. You can't expect a big a big role with the defense there because that defensive line and just how the defense is playing in general. Maybe he is willing to play special teams now. I don't know, but he, he I can't see him having that big of a role yet. But you have to assume if they're bringing him in, they've seen something in practice. Tom Higgins has yeah. been around the block a time or two. They must be seeing something out of Michael Sam that they like to bring him in along that veteran defensive line. And you know what? It might be just mixing it up. I mean, there's not a lot of defensive lines because of the new rules. And this is one thing I've, I've been observing and watching the CFL. These new rules have had a second effect. Defensive lines across the league have been a lot less effective uh, than normally. I mean, we look at Saskatchewan's defensive line that should be putting up all these great numbers, and yeah. they're not doing it. But the one thing I've noticed, Travis, is because teams are so afraid of contacting that receiver outside of the five-yard bubble, bubble, let's face it, at full speed out of a waggle, these guys are past five yards in no time. So yeah. they're they're getting their passing routes open quicker. Quarterbacks are staying protected and getting the ball out even quicker, which is leading to defensive lines being a little bit less effective. But we'll see. I mean, Michael Sam, he's, he's been on the 46 every single game. He gets in on the, the 44 and uh, all the best. I hope uh, I hope he can play like the former SEC Defensive Player of the Year like he was. Some minor notes out of Calgary. Shamari Williams, uh, former number one overall pick by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is uh, been released by another team. Uh, Cedric Cunningham was released as well, who I actually think he's an interesting player. If you put the ball in his hands, I think he'd be making a lot of noise. Well, uh, at this point, uh, I think John Huffnagel can do no wrong. If a guy gets cut by Huffnagel, I just go, all right. That's that that probably makes sense. <laughs> you seem to have made every correct personnel decision ever. I said your receivers weren't going to be deep and you're still spreading the ball around. So uh, if Huff does it, I think we can all kind of trust it uh, at this point. But Shamari Williams to me was one of the last first overall picks where I don't know if teams took drafting as seriously as they should have. You know, guys didn't really scout. They they looked at a stat sheet and saw, oh, yeah, he had a great season. Let's go ahead and draft him out of the CIS first overall. And he just, he never lived up to the hype no matter where he went. Uh, disappointing uh, to see him. You'd have to think he's probably out of the league at this point. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to take a flyer him unless, unless Saskatchewan brings him back because oh my they, God. <laughs> they need help on defense. And, uh, you know, he just, he's been a guy. You're always waiting for him to turn the career around and hasn't been able to do it. So, uh yeah, just, I guess, a bit of a misfire at first overall by the Riders on that one. Friday is one of the final Braley Bulls ever, Argos and Lions. Did you catch their Twitter battle today? No, I didn't catch oh. the Twitter battle, but I did catch David Braley saying that he nearly folded up the Argos last year. Did you catch that? No, I, I didn't see that. Clearly, I'm uh, much more into the uh, goofy stuff than you. <laughs> 
or as we call on this podcast, the nonsense. Yes, uh, yes. Either way, Trav, it was just it was an interesting line. I saw this in a Toronto Sun article. It said, uh, "Here's the quote." It said, "Braley, who deserves credit for keeping the Argos afloat by paying the bills, reached out to his well-heeled media puppets to spread the word on how he was prepared." to fold the Argonauts franchise. So it sounds like it might have been a bit of a leverage play, but uh, let's face it, uh, the Argos to David Braley were always uh, second priority. He loves his yeah. BC Lions. I mean, he saved the league and saved the Argos by stepping in and becoming a dual owner. But uh, I think I, I think if Braley was picking a Braley Bowl, uh, he would definitely <laughs> be uh, choosing the BC Lions. Some of the news that has come out over the last little while just makes it seem like the whole Argos and Braley thing was kind of shady. Hey, like the Grey Cup deal that was rumored to happen, like none of it just seemed positive at all. Well, and I'm going to take Braley's side on this one because he was essentially approached by the league to say, listen, the Argos are a complete and utter disaster. We can't find yeah. an owner after David Cinnamon left. Uh, and they went to him and begged him to take over ownership, and he did, and he paid the bills and n- not much else, and he had all the leverage. So if he said, I want a great cup game in, in Toronto, he got it. I, I mean, how if he would have walked away from the Argos before, you know, the uh, the Larry Tannenbaum group came together just this year, could you imagine the negative impact that would have had on the league? Uh, nobody else would have been able to step up and buy him, or you would have had more utter gong shows like the like the ownership they had before Braley came in. At least he stabilized some things. He, he ran things on the cheap like Borscht, but, man, <laughs> he... If it's if it's not for Braley buying the Argos, I don't know where the league's at. Speaking of Borish, I did hear that that Red Bull uh, Radisson, you know Radisson, Saskatchewan. I've heard they've got some mean Borish at that gas station. Yeah, the, the old famous Red Bull on Highway 16 between uh, between Saskatchewan. You know, I've never stopped it. You know, I don't even like Borscht. I, uh, neither do I. I always <laughs> stop at the Red Bull, though. <laughs> I know it's in that perfect place that you're like, ah, you know what? I could certainly <laughs> use a bag of Skittles. <laughs> Exactly. So I wanted to get. I want to get back to the nonsense because for me that's way more important. All right. Um, well, let's, let's get to the nonsense. Let's let's get to this Twitter war. You uh, you give me the too long didn't read version of it. Okay. So the Argos started off the battle by uh, saying uh, scouting reports suggest that BC's game face needs work, and it was a picture of the lion from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Then the Lions replied with a terrifying picture of Solomon Elamimian's game face. And then I was like, oh. And then the Argos ended up replying with a a gif of Dr. Evil going, right. (laughs) It it is great. So then uh, the Argos ended up sending out a, uh, a meme of... Uh, the Anchorman guys, yeah. and the, the only rule for this Twitter battle is no touching of the hair or face, and uh, <laughs> it was probably one of the best battles. I, I give the edge to the Argos. Yeah, when you when you can bust out the cowardly lion from uh, <laughs> from, from the Wizard of Oz, and anytime you bring out an Anchorman reference, uh, you get the win in my books. Uh, well played. I love the meme wars between the teams. You know, oh all yeah, these, I love it. Every one of these guys that runs social media, guys or gals that run social media in, in for the nine CFL teams, they are on point. Their game is strong. They get it. It's all about fun. 
And uh, when you see the random Twitter wars break out, especially between the team team accounts, there is nothing better. Uh, the the Argos, I'd say this one was the Stone Cold Stunner or the People's Elbow of the argument. They tweeted out a picture. <laughs> so this is the Lions on Twitter, and it was a big, massive, full-grown lion. And then a yep. baby lion with the caption, this is the Lions on the field. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, you always love when those games uh, bring a little bit more fun. But uh, I would uh, not la- tell Ella Mimian or Big Hill that to their face. No, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I would probably, uh, I, I definitely wouldn't do that because I don't like dying. But uh, the funny thing is, them saying that the Lions are small on the field when they're they both have the same record. Hey, well, the Braley Bull's going to decide it all. <laughs> The Braley Bull decides, unless there's a tie, because that's always a possibility. All right, that about does it for the news. John, we've got our very first guest, the very first friend of the podcast. And our first guest ever in the history of the show that we're actually recording, Sportsnet's Jamie Thomas, a friend of mine, friend of uh, Travis's. Jamie, absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast tonight. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, My pleasure, guys. Thanks for, for having me. I guess uh, from from an outside perspective, I've seen you've been doing these CFL roundtable articles in Sportsnet.ca. I love reading them. So obviously, you. you've got some thoughts on the Canadian Football League. What do you see out of the season so far? What's caught you by surprise, and uh, what's kind of lived up to expectations so far? Well, I think the main thing that's, that that has surprised me is um, is Saskatchewan. Um, I mean, that's, I mean that's going to touch a lot of <laughs> soft spots for a lot of people right now, but. I did not see by any thought or process that I've ever had looking to the season that they would be 0-4 to start the year. And I, I, granted, it, they've lost close games, but this yeah. is not – this is not, and they've lost Darian Durant, but I think Kevin Glenn is more than a, a capable backup quarterback. And I think if any team that was in a perfect situation to lose their starting quarterback, which you usually aren't, it would be the Rough Riders, especially with Kevin Glenn running things. So for them to be 0-4 – and to look lost a couple of times here and there, it, it, uh, it, that surprises me. Uh, one thing that has stood out for me, I, I, I like the new rules. I like the fact that I'm watching an extra point, waiting for someone to miss something or not thinking it's going to be automatic. And um, I'm actually kind of enjoying that part of it. And I think that's exactly what the CFL wanted. Uh, the extra point was becoming a gimme, and uh, they, they struck gold quickly by changing the rule, and I, and I love it. I, I'm with you. I love the extra point, minus the fact that it's probably cost my Blue Bombers uh, two games already right. with L- Liram Haralahu is actually <laughs> yeah. a translation for missing converts. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's funny. I think a lot of people in Saskatchewan are dis- going to disagree with you, Jamie. Uh, they all are saying we need to boycott games. Their refs are costing <laughs> us games. Robble, robble, robble. Yeah. Grab the pitchforks and the torches. Uh, yeah. I, I guess from a calm outside perspective, you're in Toronto where Sportsnet is located. What yeah. is, uh, what's the reason the Riders are 0-4 from what you can see, my friend? Well, just their defense can't stop anything right now. And uh, they've given up a, a leads late in football games this year. And, of course, uh, I, I mean, if you're Corey Chamberlain, you have to be concerned with that. No, nobody wants to see their team giving up points late in the game. No. And once you get to overtime, I mean, anything can happen. So, uh, again, they're 0-4. But for those late drives to, to, to blow football games like that late late like that, it's got to be frustrating and cause for concern. So I realize there's a lot of changes on the defensive side of the football, and it takes time for these things to happen. But uh, they better start gelling quickly because you don't want to fall behind in a, a very competitive Western division. And I, mm-hmm. I think I think the Lions are a lot better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. And Travis mm-hmm. Lule is healthy, so and the Rough Riders know that just as good, just as well as anybody. So. I don't think this is the time to, to fall behind. It never usually is, but uh, 
now now's the time to get things going. Do you see them getting out of this 0-4 hole? Because it looks yeah. like uh, the little uh, fishbowl of Regina looks like yeah. it's really getting to uh, Corey Chamberlain. Yeah, and I can see why he's frustrated because, uh, you know, I mean, there's no bigger market in terms, uh, I mean, I'm not for size, but there's going to be fingers pointing and no one is more worried about their football team than Rough Rider fans. So uh, I can see why he believes they're a lot better than 0-4, but also at the same time, very concerned and probably taking a lot of frustration out in the wrong places. Jamie, you said the BC Lions. I've been actually a little bit hard on them uh, so yeah. far uh, through the season. If you listen to the podcast, I'm kind of eating crow a little bit right now. <laughs> right. I, I, they're the youngest team of the CFL uh, outside of Travis Lule. What else do you see them doing right? I just, I like the way their offense is played with with Lule there. They're they're playing defense as you should in the new CFL. What are you seeing, my friend? Well. Solomon Elamillion said beforehand that he thinks that he could be better, and I think he's delivered on that promise. But defense, uh, Big Hill's been fantastic. He's had those great plays uh, late in football games, but they're moving the football. Andrew Harris is one of the best running backs in the CFL. They're, they're using him, and uh, Travis Lule is, is running the football like he used to, but he's being smart. And, of course, when you have a surgically repaired shoulder, you're going to be a little bit cautious, and he's not as reckless as he used to be. Uh, you see a lot of young quarterbacks coming into any professional league thinking they can play the way – that they always have, and and, and uh, I think Lule has adjusted. I think Jeff Tedford has been a great calming influence on him, and I think that's one of the big reasons why Wally Buono hired Tedford because of his knowledge of the quarterback position and how much success he's had south of the border teaching in college, so college football quarterback. So uh, I think that's all working together, and I think the Lions are a lot further ahead than many people thought they would be. Uh, Jamie, I read an article uh, today out of Regina, mm-hmm. of course, and it said that the new penalties and, or and the flags on the field are actually driving fans away from the game. Do you really think mm. it's that harsh? <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, anybody, anytime your team loses because of penalties or what you view as penalties, um, they're they're going to be frustrated and they're going to voice this. As for the fact to boycott football games to see this, the CSL's already sent out a couple of uh, graphs showing that the penalties per game are dropping by the week, and they have. They dropped considerably uh, per game since week one as they have into week four. So uh, I think everybody's getting a, uh, used to the new penalties. To me, the game has opened up a lot more. There's a lot more guys uh, translating into 1,000-yard receiving seasons. The quarterback are up a little bit higher. The completion percentage is up a little bit higher. Oh, and to me, guys, last year was an abomination. It was hard to watch the CFL oh, yeah. a year ago. So I think while everybody's getting used to it, it's still we're going to the fourth quarter. You're being highly entertained. And whatever's happened with the Rough Riders, and I know it's been a couple of tough losses for the Blue Bombers as well, I mean, you're being highly entertained in the fourth quarter. You don't, you're, it's back to CFL football where no one's out of anything. And I think that's what the CFL wanted to get back to. Ottawa's alive again. So there's a lot of things to be excited about this year. And, and it's fun watching the game one more time. I do feel Jamie's like up. if the Riders were, uh, you know, four and zero instead of zero and four, that it would be yeah. a lot quieter. <laughs> it, it is, and I mean, it, it's, you, you see your team fall apart, you're going to look for reasons why they're falling apart. You don't want to point the fingers at that at the green heroes either, right? So, and I mean, they're 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 capable of getting out of this, and I think you know you you look for any reason. i we've all been fans in our lifetime, and it's easy to point at the officials as the reason. And yes, there have been a lot of really bad calls early in the year, but I think you'll find that in a lot of leagues. And uh, you, you go back to when the NHL changed their rules, it, it was hard for everybody at the start, too, to get adjusted to things. But once things get going, 
and everybody gets used to it and the officials get used to what the what the right calls are going to be, I think you're going to have uh, what you're, is going to be a, a fantastic 2015 season. Jamie Thomas from uh, Sportsnet on with us here on the Two and Out CFL podcast. And uh, Jamie, I think it's been the I'm with you. I think this season's been entertaining as hell. I, I believe it was the CFL communications guy Paulo tweeting out that the margin of victory, the average margin of victory, is the smallest in the CFL this year. Do you see fans? Maybe I also see penalties are down. Uh, you mentioned the new NHL. Do you think everybody's going to kind of uh, to steal a Sid Sixero line, uh, make a relax uh, once uh, <laughs> once they kind of get everything figured out? They realize, holy crap this is exciting football yeah and i mean even you look no further than, than the great cup champions calgary lost their opener of the year and uh you know uh mitchell tweets out relax after they tied the you know they went one and one so they won mm-hmm. their next their first game and they've won their next two since then it's all everybody adjusting so there's so many new faces coming up and we i don't think it's easy to it's easy to point out the fact there's so many guys playing cfl football for the first time in, in their lives so uh, there's a lot of adjustments to be made there. So I, I just, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled because uh, I've grown up with this game as we all have as Canadians, mm-hmm. and it's it was hard to watch last year, and I, and I don't want to go back to then. Uh, it's Jeffrey Orridge has to be proud of his product already as uh, taken over uh, as commissioner of the CFL. Yeah, last year was horror awful. Uh, I want to seven <laughs> five yeah. seven yeah. five. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamie was like the like the the Red Blacks. That must have been the most awful comeback. In, you know, <laughs> the fans must have been wondering, oh, here we go again. It's the Renegades all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they weren't trying to bring back Kerry midway through the season, but I guess Saskatchewan did that. Yeah, it was like watching New Jersey Devil Hockey in 1995 all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, before we let you go, we uh, we like to talk fantasy here uh, on the Two and Out podcast. Even though this so far this year, neither Travis and I have been exceptionally great at it. Uh, what's what's one guy you can kind of you know help? Uh, well, help Travis and I first, and help our listeners with who's a guy you see kind of uh, from this point on will be getting a bigger role uh, through the rest of the season and. And be fantasy relevant. Well, I think Shakir Bell right away just pops into my mind because of what Edmonton has done to change their offensive line. It's a lot more aggressive. Uh, uh, he what he did last week against a very good Ottawa Red Black defense was something to see. So I think that if anybody you don't have on your roster right now, get to work and start bringing it right now because I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first guy to point it out, and I'm sure it's not going to be the last. But get to it and get him on your roster right now. That's the guy I see is is going to be uh, doing some big things over the next couple, or for the whole season for that matter. And, and who's one guy you might sell high on right now that you think uh, might go back to the pack through the rest of the year? Well, I mean, a- Andrew Harris is a guy, Jerome Messam is another guy too, but I just, uh, I mean, I, le- I like running backs to pick on them because it's just you never know what you're going to get with guys from week <laughs> yeah. to week. So, I mean, you look at Joffrey Reynolds, one week he's 140 yards, next week uh John Hopnick will forget that he's even in the offense. So um, I, I think I, I would point to Andrew Harris in BC because I think once Travis Lule gets uh, his legs underneath him and his confidence again, I don't think they're going to be leaning on. I mean, as great of a weapon as he is, I think Andrew Harris will fall back a little bit. But uh, the, the running backs are so hard, and, and you can even go to fantasy football in the National Football League. There's so few good running backs in the NFL. They're just so hard to find a guy that's going to give you 100-plus yards every week as a running back in the CFL. On my one team, I have Tyrell Sutton, Shakir mm-hmm. Bell, and Tyra or uh, CJ Gable on the IR. So I'm stashing yeah. CFL running backs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be tough for 
you to bounce back, but I think he's, <laughs> with a small roster, it's going to be tougher to get back there. I think you should get out there and get Frank Stamps because, uh, to get your receiving core going again because uh, he's going to, once our team Cato realizes what he has there, yeah, Fred Stamps yeah. is going to be the Fred Stamps he was with Ricky Ray. Jamie Thomas from Sportsnet joining us on the 2NL podcast. And I don't know about you, Jamie, but I've been terrible at Pick'em this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I haven't got a really full uh, full grasp of CFL fantasy yet because it's just so, so foreign to me. But, uh, I mean, I, I can see why anybody would struggle to do CFL fantasy because of the bye weeks and and how things work and how few teams there are. It, it, it's not easy. I mean, I've been a league champion, though. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. That's all that matters. <laughs> you should talk about it. If all you need champion, is one. You should always bring it up. That's all that matters. It's, I need, I need even, the belt. That's right. You shouldn't even ask people how their kids are or how their life is going. You should, did I mention that I'm a fantasy football champion? <laughs> it's, all, it's all about you. Did I tell you how I did it? I was so dominant. <laughs> the league wants me out this year because I'm so good. <laughs> There's no reason to talk about anything else. Who cares? Oh, your mom's sick? That's too bad. But I'm fantasy. We'll get to her later. <laughs> Just you wait till next time I see you, Jamie. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Hey, Jamie, remember that time I wanted fantasy? Yeah. yeah. I haven't won since 95, so I've been having a long dry spell of mine. Uh, well, Jamie, we were wondering before we let you go. Let's get. Uh, we've been terrible at our CFL picks this year, uh, picking games. Uh, can you give us? Uh, let's hammer <laughs> through the matchups real quick and uh, see if you can help us out. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go uh, a little backwards. We're gonna start on Sunday. Uh, riders and Tie Cats. You think uh, the Riders uh, actually get a win for once? Uh jeez. Uh, Ken Austin's group is beat up. Uh, they're coming off a tough loss. Nope. Zero and five. Oh, Ooh. no! <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I, I like it. Now, please tell me you, you've got better thoughts about my Blue Bombers when they visit Edmonton on Saturday. <laughs> oh, the Eskimo defense is playing so good. Uh, I know! Secure <laughs> uh, Bell. I don't, I'm not set on Winnipeg's defense just yet. I'm just not. So, Uh-oh. no, I don't like their cause there. No, Damn sorry. it! Uh, and then the friday doubleheader you got toronto at bc calgary at the uh, we call them on the podcast the all caps yeah (laughs) (laughs) i know what i don't say any team that has all capitals for their their team name is beyond me but (laughs) Uh, (laughs) they're yelling at you every time (laughs) i know um bc uh over the argonauts i i I mean it's it's great turnaround and what they've done and i'm so happy to have New ownership, and they're going to be playing in BMO next year, but BC just looks so good to me right now, so I'm going to pick them. And Ottawa stumbling a little bit. They lose tough ones to the Eskimos. Didn't really look good in either game, so I don't like their chances against the great Cup champs who seem to be getting their acts back together. So I'll take the Stamps, and I'll take the Lions. So we got Stamps, Lions, Edmonton, and Hamilton. Jamie, thank you so much. Where can people find more Jamie Thomas-like goodness? Uh (laughs) Well, tonight I'm right out of the – Carly Agro and I are out of the uh, Jays game because – uh, Ken, Ken and Ivanka are off because the Jays play late tonight, so they get the uh, free show, the free night off. So we'll be on at uh, 10 Mountain, if uh, and maybe a little bit earlier, because Mark Burley, as we both all know, pitches really fast. So <laughs> it could be a two-hour game. It could be two and a half. So around 9.30, 10 o'clock, guys. Beautiful. Make sure the hair is looking good, and uh, tell <laughs> Agro uh, to make sure she's looking good as well. I- I will do both, guys. Thanks. All right. Thanks to Jamie for coming on. Let's get to the Fantasy Expose. 
time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. All right, a couple things I want to start with here. TSN Fantasy. Now, I don't know if they're going to up the salary of Shakir Bell, but mm. I took a chance last week. <laughs> And I uh, ditched Tyrell Sutton, which thankfully I did. Because Whoa, I was going to say, he's been your boy since game one. Yeah, he got two yards. So I threw in Shakir Bell, and he's oh. like the cheapest starting running back by a long shot. So did, if he's still you, starting did, did, this week. Did you week, talk to Psychic Croker? Is that, no. is that what happened? Were you uh, like, oh, Croker, the great and mysterious, can you tell me? Who's going to be better, Shakir Bell or uh, or uh, or Tyrell Sutton? Hey, sometimes I make good calls on my own. Okay, yeah, in your bra. Now, uh, this week, if he's still starting, put him in there. And uh, as for defenses, I think everything else is pretty straightforward. You can fit guys in there. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders uh, against Ottawa, I think you have to start the Stamps because they're actually cheaper than uh, – couple defenses around the league. I do want to do an update on the 2 and Out CFL podcast fantasy league because if you can fit Darvin Adams in on your TSN team, um, pretty cheap. And uh, Blair ended up tweeting us last week saying, yeah, you only told me to start Darvin Adams because you, you were I was playing you guys. Well, this week he absolutely explodes for Winnipeg. I know, and then he keeps him on the bench, which leads to a victory and some appropriate victory yeah. music. <laughs> so he lost this week, and last week we, we beat him too. Uh, we are third in the league right now, second in scoring. There's one undefeated team left. The BMO Boatmen are 4-0 and in our fantasy league, and we had another tough loss. Yeah, uh, yeah, we uh, we have a few of those. The, yeah, uh, to the Hell Caminos, we lost by two points. That's uh, <laughs> now I kind of know how the Saskatchewan Rough Riders feel. No kidding! And I had a worse loss in our personal league, so I log on to the website. I win one ninety to one eighty nine. Uh, that's that's a pretty good week. I hit refresh. I lost one eighty nine to one eighty seven. I love stat corrections. That was the worst. <laughs> and that's all because of Tyrell Sutton. So thanks a lot, uh, Sutton. If it makes you feel any better, me, the defending league champ, which, uh, as Jamie said, I should just walk around calling myself, yeah. <laughs> uh, is now one in three. Uh, don't maze me, bro. Uh, might be in fire sale mode right, right away. But uh, our personal league is kind of weird this year. You know, we've got eight teams. Uh, I am... Uh, I'm in fifth at one and three. Wow! <laughs> Everybody, it, it the records go four and zero, oh, three and one, three and one, three and one, one and three. Wow, that's so weird. That's uh, that's kind of an anomaly in our league. Uh, so I'm hoping to be that greasy team that qualifies for the playoffs under 500 <laughs> and go win. And also in our personal league, I paid you. Mark me down as paid. <laughs> hey, when did you pay me? I emailed it to you. Oh, okay. I'll mark you down as paid. <laughs> Check your inbox. I did it like a month ago. I'm just trying to fleece an extra 20 bucks off you. Who am I kidding? Uh, oh, I, I track this stuff. We, this podcast does not generate any income for either of us. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to a couple people in the Tune Out uh, podcast CFL Pick'em group. Man, yes. we suck at this compared to the people in our group. Uh, Joe Pritchard. Man, he is leading the way. He's got 1,225 points. To put things in perspective, you, John, have 487, and I have 
I have 355. <laughs> and, you know, the saddest part about I'm not you, last. With, with you with 355 is I forgot to do them one week. Oh, come on. I honestly forgot. Week two, I was all, I was busy and I was out doing stuff and uh, I forgot to make my CFL pick them. So uh, I'm beating you uh, <laughs> even though I forgot one week. I'm having a tough time. Uh, Tyrell Ocher, he is the guy that said we'll uh, do a Brazilian if he if the Red Blacks win 12 games. He's in second, 1,120 points. Quinton Soloway, 1,066 points. And Huds, 1,000 points. So if we want to come back in this thing, we got a long way to go. We can't even get a week right if we put our stuff together. Yeah, How that's, the hell that's are the either one of us going to come back in that thing? <laughs> that's the terrifying part. Together. We, we suck. We suck at picking games this year. <laughs> Let's go over the games from last week. Uh, first game of the week, Montreal beat Hamilton 17-13. And, yeah, I think everyone had Hamilton in this game, but the Montreal Alouette defense is officially the real deal. I, I, I love them. I love. I thought they were going to take a step back uh, with Barry Woods, but you had mentioned earlier in the podcast uh Hefney, seven tackles, an interception. Again, go get him. Ellsworth, a guy I was high on last week. Interesting Six. side note on Kyler Ellsworth. Mm-hmm. And on Fantasy, he's listed as a defensive back, but he plays linebacker. So it's kind of like a a little bit of a cheat because the linebackers always get more points in the, uh, the secondary. So if you can plug him in there, that's awesome. That's even better. Uh, Ellsworth, six tackles, one sack, and a forced fumble. Another big game from him on that physical Montreal defense. Uh, I mean, I said it earlier in the the cast. uh, I'm going to say it again. Uh, Tape what Montreal is doing, everybody else in the CFL, and do exactly that because they've got their ish uh, figured out. Brandon Banks showing why you can't rely on him every week. Now, he did have a punt return touchdown called back due to penalty. And he's one of those guys that knows that feeling all too well. But without the touchdown, he did nothing last week. Uh, Terrence Tolliver, I did talk about him. He had over 100 yards receiving, but he also fumbled the game away as well late in the game. Yeah, there was that uh, as well. And uh, like you said, Banks is such a high-risk, high-reward guy. If he gets you that long return touchdown, great. Uh, or if they decide to use him in the offense, even better. Uh, but I think Ken Austin has proven that he's going to try to, st- unless it's absolutely necessary, he's going to try to stay away from using Brandon Banks a lot. Uh, he'll be used primarily on kick returns. And about half of those, even even before they brought in the new rules, uh, they said about, f- on average, 50% of kicks uh, are are have a flag on them so you got to hope it's uh, one of the clean returns uh, when Brandon Banks does his thing Ray Hawley 47 yards on six carries still the uh, Ticat offense right now is so one-dimensional that you can key in on them and I, I think it's going to be the same as last year kind of like a slow start to the year and then they figure things out as the year goes on uh, I'm still not counting them out to win the East Division at all Oh, not at all. We talked about all the injuries in Ryderville uh, at length during this podcast. Remember all the injuries that Hamilton had in the preseason? They're oh. starting to get those guys back. I mean, heck, they, they basically went into their last preseason game where most teams dressed their vets and went, nah, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. You're all going to sit at home, wrap yourselves in bu- bubble wrap, and have your mommy put uh, a hot water bottle on your head just in case you happen to get hurt. Mm-hmm. 
And so that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> no, that actually happened. I, I'm 90% sure. Uh, Direct let's go, quote. Let's, let's go ask Drew Edwards, uh, you know, the <laughs> Hamilton beat writer. I'm pretty sure he has photos of people actually wrapped in bubble wrap to make sure nobody else got hurt. But those guys starting to come back. And uh, I still say Hamilton is one of the better teams in the CFL. They've just uh, run into a little bit of uh, bad luck in another another close game in the what I'm going to start calling the 9-9 nine and nine season. Uh, Montreal Alouette side of the ball, vintage Fred Stamps. Yeah, he's coming out of nowhere. Jamie said it. Get Fred Stamps while you can. I would like to agree with him. Uh, I think he's starting to show he still has some gas left in the tank. Seven for 119 uh, as well with Stamps starting to develop that oh-so-important chemistry with Rakim Kato. Yeah, he is awesome in uh, a single word, man. He's the real deal, I think. I, I would agree with you. I don't think Crompton's getting his uh, starting job back when he returns. Uh, roll on the Cato train as long as you can. He's He had another decent night, 23 of 34, 264 and a touchdown. He's still going to have weeks like he did in Winnipeg. He's a young guy. He's still going to make some mistakes, but uh, looks like the positives outweigh the negatives for now. Tyrell Sutton got absolutely shut down against yeah. Hamilton. Two yards, six carries. It was insane. Uh, Hamilton's run defense had uh, had something going for it. They were oh, yeah. not so good against the pass, but uh, they were going to stop in the run, which they were really, really good at. If you remember last year, they did the same thing. I actually remember them going into playing the Riders when they were like 1-6. and six. I, I said, no, Hamilton's going to win this game. At that point, they had the best uh, rush defense in the entire league, and I, I don't think they're far off of it this year as well. They've always been real good against the run, so uh, watch uh, watch out for Hamilton to start to, you know riding that defense a little bit and uh, start winning some games. Sutton was the league's leading rusher heading into the game. Now he's down to third because of John Cornish's awesome game, but uh, Sutton's got the stamps next week. I expect a little bit of a rebound in that game. Uh, I guess let's move on to the Typhoon Bowl. Man, <laughs> Eskimos and all caps. That was I was watching that in a bar, and I was like, "Jeez, what what the heck happens? What is it when those like teams seem to get together? There always seems to yep. be a monsoon season that all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. Like seriously, the whole country needs rain, and uh, it apparently it was localized over just Ottawa. Uh, still, uh, it's nice to not see. Considering the last time there was a monsoon game, it was seven to five uh, BC and uh, all caps. So at least there were some points put on the board. Uh, Matt Nichols wins despite throwing three interceptions again uh not so high on him and it was the coming out party for Shakir Bell yeah 18 carries 144 yards he didn't get any touch or uh, touchdowns but man he showed why we were talking about him earlier in the preseason maybe they just wanted to keep him keep him around for practice and uh you know uh, get him used to the system a little bit more because he's a rookie but without Chad Simpson he put on a show he was named the the league's top performer this year if he's available anywhere pick him uh, Kendall Lawrence showing that hey He's actually pretty good at catching balls, no matter how much it's raining. Uh. Yeah. Four grabs, 92, and a touchdown along of 63. That is his breakaway speed, and that is why when when John White went down, we were talking right here on the pod about, I don't see Kendall Lawrence uh, being the guy, per se, because they like him so much at receiver. It's easy to tell why when a guy rips off one for 63 yards. Yeah, and that was... 
That was shortly after Ottawa took the lead, and I had kind of thought, oh, man, is Edmonton going to lose to Ottawa? But that was right after, and I guess that's what Nichols needs to do, just make one play. <laughs> we we got to start calling those clutch downs. You know, when they come yeah, up like after that. a lead or something, we need a stat for that, clutch down stats. That's a great that's a great name. I really like that. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball for Edmonton, John Ojo. If you can pick him up in the secondary, he's making noise. And I don't know how this guy got forgotten about. Marcus Howard, he came into camp healthy, forgotten about. And I have him in every league, and I took him near the end of every draft. He got two sacks and uh, looked awesome. And the big guy, uh, Zach Evans from Ottawa. Now, he didn't get a touchdown this week, but he got two sacks. So maybe he is going to be contributing to your fantasy team for the rest of the year. And not just on interception return touchdowns that make two uh, overweight gentlemen go, yeah, fat guy touchdown! (laughs) Uh, As for Ottawa, Chris Williams, we kind of all knew what to expect. He's a little bit different from uh, Brandon Banks, though, because he actually is involved in the offense. Banks, not so much. Williams is going to be touching the ball as much as Chad Owens, Brandon Thompson, Tommaso Munoz on defense for the Red Blacks. They're on the field all the time, so they're good pickups. And and you said the name right. That was really impressive. <laughs> I got to tip my hat to you for talking about Brad Sinopolis, quietly I, having a really good year. And they even they even had him throw the ball once. Uh, Brad Sinopoli, <laughs> 5 for 53. Uh, if your league plays with the ratio rule, he's a good guy to have there. Uh, he's again, on pace for 1,000 yards. Yeah, that's right. He is on pace for it. Like I said, he should be uh, to start the season. Now, if only I could turn, you know, my player picks that I made early into picking teams, then then I'd probably be uh, a lot happier. But no, if if you can still get Sinopoli, go out and get him, maybe trade for him if you can. Uh, I think Henry Burris uh, didn't have his best game. That's back-to-back uh, poor weeks for Henry, but I think a big part of that is, uh, as Jamie indicated, the Eskimos defense is uh, really, really, really good right now. BC versus Saskatchewan. The Lions escape Mosaic with a 27-24 win. Things only get tougher for Saskatchewan here. They've got Hamilton, and then they have Edmonton on six-day. Oh, not even that. They play Hamilton on Sunday, Edmonton on Friday. Now, some crazy stats in this one because you look at it and you're like, how did BC win? I know. Lule, um, he almost ran for more than he passed for. <laughs> uh, I, I know, and that looked like vintage Travis Lule. It, it really reminded me almost of, remember when they won the Grey Cup in 13 and it was the West semifinal between the Riders and the Lions and what Gary a game. Durant decided to finally run? Yeah. That was basically what, what Travis Lule was doing. But, you know, we all joke, okay, well, Lule, you know, almost passed for more than he ran. But what everybody forgot, Andrew Harris also nearly went for 100. I mean, he was 1694 yep. for a touchdown. I mean, between those two gentlemen, and actually, you know what, if we even count Jennings uh, on the one-yard sneak, that's 200 yards rushing right there against Saskatchewan. They're basically saying, all right, we'll contain your D-line. Go ahead and stop us rookie linebackers. There's, They are the only team in the CFL starting three rookies at linebacker. And for me, that's where you get 200 yards rushing from. Uh, I know some don't agree with me on that, but, man, that's what that's teams are taking away that defensive line and saying, go ahead, Rooks beat us, and they just haven't been able to uh, do so so far. Uh, the Riders did show some late life in that one, and that offense, I mean, I think if – I said it something similar before, but you take that Saskatchewan offense and put them literally on any other team in the CFL right now, 
I think uh, that you have uh, an undefeated team right there. Yeah, and another interesting stat from the game, we have talked about the Ryder defensive line. No sacks for anyone. Which is killing me if you've got, like I have a couple Ryder defensive linemen thinking that they were going to be real good and instead nothing. But another place to look, I know I've been saying that they're not terribly effective, but uh, Jake Doughty had another nice game with a forced fumble and six tackles. Jeff Knox Jr., they're going to get their tackles they might still get scored on, but they are going to get their, their looks. But, yeah, just something's just not right in Ryderville, and people are blaming the refs. And uh, you know what? When your team is last in the league in every single defensive category that matters, you're not going to win football games. It's not the refs' fault. Like, I did say it to your, Jamie give your head that a shake. I did say it to Jamie. I was like, if the Riders were 4-0... There's no whining about these penalties. I think we all expected it going into the year that these new rules. But let's face it, 90% of these flags have been penalties in the CFL for 50 years. Yeah, and and, holding procedure offside. Go on Twitter right now after a Ryder game. Everybody's blaming the refs. I, yeah. There are some calls you don't like, but guess what? That's the way the call is being made now. You put your I've, hand on a guy first after five yards, it's a flag. Figure it out. You're last in every defensive category that has ever existed. The refs aren't your problem. Give your head a shake. Chamberlain's not getting fired. He's a good coach. They're basically one injury away from calling you or me to start on defense, and you're telling me the coach should be fired? Like, Give your head a shake. It's not the refs. Your team is the walking dead. I'm a Ryder fan, and I've been getting in arguments with other Ryder fans. They're like, oh, I'm not blaming the, the, the refs. I'm not blaming the rules. I don't see anybody else doing it. Then what are you looking at? Because I literally see everyone blaming the hat. Uh, uh, I got into it. I got into it two or three Ryder fans. And you know what? You know what, Trav? Here's what here's what we should do instead because I'm getting fired up. I'm angry. I don't know if they're just being twi- Twitter trolls or they don't know a damn thing about football. We should just go for a soda. Yes. Nobody hurts. Nobody cries. It's that's just just let this just let this play out. Just let this riff. Just let. This. <laughs> Might as well go for a soda. I love the baseline. Oh, there's nothing better than the baseline <laughs> minus the. The Goats of Remote Bed circa 2006 in Lloydminster. That is the most obscure reference we will make, and I apologize to everybody who doesn't find it. We will try to find it for you. I'd love to have the old Goat Remote Bed underneath the entire podcast. <laughs> oh, man, everybody would love that. A couple notes from the game. Uh, Jerome Messam is awesome. Uh but I do uh, think uh, Jamie Thomas was on to something there. If you can sell him high, I don't think he keeps his pace up with the amount of yards he's getting, not only through the air, but on the ground. Uh, Rob Bag banged up as well. Do you have any update on that? Uh, yeah, he uh, came out on Twitter uh, right after the game, said he will play uh, this week. And obviously with the two days off here for Saskatchewan, uh, they're returning to practice on Wednesday, uh, that's lots of time for him to rest. Rob Bag, I believe, is actually made of toughness. Uh, <laughs> like he's, you know how they say ladies are made out of sugar, spice, and everything nice. Uh, Rob Bag was made from solid granite and uh, <laughs> and some rubber in there too, because he always seems to bounce back. Uh, he might actually be Wolverine. Uh, we don't have verification <laughs> on this, but uh, Bag is in. Uh, he'll be playing wounded, but uh, he always seems to be. Uh, playing wounded uh another quiet night uh for Taj Smith and Chris Getzlaff but Jamal Richardson again he's looking great he's 
Chamberlain said during tra- during training camp, I don't know if we're going to see the Jay Rich of old, but when you saw him rip off the 49-yarder, yeah. I think we're starting to see it. So uh, kind of a quiet night on the BC side for receiving. Uh, Manny Arsenault doing uh, what he does, uh, busting a big long one. But uh, and of course the two uh, touchdowns for Leonard kind of saved the night if you had started him uh, in fantasy football. But BC's offense uh, again, you look you look at the numbers and the only thing that stands out to me is the 200 yards rushing allowed by uh, Saskatchewan. Winnipeg loses to Calgary, 26 ah! 25. Man, now is this a because John Cornish has been pedestrian he's been just a normal running back because of the losses they've had on the offensive line is is this a thing where like man any running back playing winnipeg get him in there i it's it it was that way last year and it might be this that way again this year but what i saw from john cornish and i think he is now going to be a slow starter He's yeah, because he does start guy, slow. And everything you read into, he doesn't want to be that guy that at 50 years old can't get out of bed because of playing football. And I mm-hmm. think Cornish maybe takes a while to get his body into it. But you look at what he did. He was vintage John Cornish uh, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But again, this was this was a game in which the Bombers essentially gave to the the Calgary Stampeders just all the based turnovers. On Killed them. Kicking and turnovers. You lock Studemeyer. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. Get on the ground. Like and then in the last like the Willie interception to end the game, Studemeyer's turnover. I was I was listening to the game. I was listening to the legendary Bob Irving, a guy I've been listening to since I was a little kid. And the minute I I, 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 I heard Bob talk about the fumble. I knew, I'm like, Calgary's coming back. And then, of course, Liram Haralahu. I don't know what language Haralahu is, but it should it stand for, I something. can't kick a field goal or an extra point anymore. <laughs> what the hell? He's I bet you three. the Bombers have to be kicking themselves for not calling Paul McCallum. Unless every- he said no. <laughs> I don't think he said no. I don't know if anybody thought about it. I think there was some doubts, and uh, Paul McCallum didn't have Carm Carteri's house to stay at in Winnipeg, too. You have to consider that. Uh, <laughs> but Haralahu, I, Mike O'Shea keeps saying we're sticking with him, we're sticking with him, but he has been 102 degrees of awful early this yeah. year. He's the only kicker that seems to be really consistently struggling with the mixed extra point rule. I would love to see, you know, everybody's touting, oh, yeah, now, you know, p- kickers are only making 80% of their extra points. Take Liram Haralahu out of that, and what's the percentage? I bet just close to 90. Yeah, I feel like he misses at least one. He has every game, hasn't he? He has every at least one every single game. One for three on field goals, two for three on the extra points. Rene Paradis, who's apparently hurt, uh, didn't have a, a great game himself. One for two on the field goals, one for two on the extra points. But uh, Mike O'Shea says he's sticking with Liram Haralahu, even though I, uh, I, I, I might think that uh, it might be time for another game for Milos. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Where's Luca Kanji? Living on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> Call him up. Call him up, Winnipeg. Let's, uh, let, let's call up Luca Kanji, Jamie Borum, Chris Milo, yeah. uh, Justin Pilardi. Uh, let's get all these. Uh, what's Ricky Schmidt doing? What's the Australian guy, Bartel, doing? Let's get all these ex-rider kickers. They've gone through, like, 
Like it was an Eddie Johnson that the the riders used to have. Uh, there was also an Eddie Johnson, yeah. Who all he could his do his mustache do was great. His mustache was great. No, that was a filthy duster. <laughs> but uh, speaking of kickers, wouldn't you like to see like a tackle competition between Jamie Borum and Noel Prefontaine? The the universe would explode. They would <laughs> hit the each, best they would hit each other so kicker. hard. It'd be like that large thingy collider over in Switzerland that uh, the <laughs> atoms would split. It would start a black hole. We'd all be sucked in and die. So that should never happen. <laughs> I do want to say that it looks like Winnipeg and Drew Willie actually have some uh, legitimate options uh, to throw to. Nick Moore, He's he seems to be getting the bulk of the receptions. But Darvin Adams and Clarence Denmark seem to be the big play guys. Winnipeg is uh, is almost like a bizarro Saskatchewan because they have two wins, but I see a lot out of Winnipeg that I'm seeing out of Saskatchewan. It's some really good offense. They can do really good things. Paris caught another, not a spectacular game, solid, 10 for 56. Willie, 22 of 27, two touchdowns, and the game crushing made me drink a, another beer or seven uh, interception. Uh, <laughs> and then receiving... Like you said, Adams, Denmark, and more are almost becoming must-starts uh, in your league. They're all looking like they're going to get the ball. Uh, so I like what Winnipeg is doing offensively. Defensively, though, I want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. I would be starting Jamal Westerman, though, if uh, yeah. you've got room for him, and he's got the right kind of passport <laughs> if you play with that ratio. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eric Rogers is the man, and I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy watching this guy play. Uh, Rogers and Cornish are a treat to play. As Terrell Owens would once say, get your popcorn ready. They're so good at football. I want to watch a game live and wear one of those really cheesy generic CFL jerseys. <laughs> And be like, yay, sports, as we're watching and have no vested interest in the game. Just every good catch stand up and go, yay, sports. <laughs> and now before we get to our picks, I do oh, want to I don't bring want to do in. it. Oh, you, I know. This week's harder than last week, too. Ah! So I'm just trying to uh, delay us doing the picks. Okay. We do want to do uh, the dumbest tweet of the week. And I got to give honorable mention to pretty much 90% of the people that replied to Rod Peterson on Twitter when he said, are you enjoying the new CFL? Favorite for yes, retweet for no. There were 415 retweets and 48 favorites. Well, I guess me and Jamie Thomas were uh, were two of those forty eight favorites. Uh, yeah, I I just I, I I love reading some of the tweets after, and and I don't want to sound too arrogant, but I love reading some of the tweets afterwards. Like, oh, Chamberlain should be fired. He's no good. Blah blah blah. The sky is falling, and so on and so forth. But yes, uh, is there anything because you've. Uh, I don't have one specific. I was too full of rage this week uh, to pick a specific uh, dumb tweet of the week. Uh, but uh, looking through the replay replies to my friend Rod Peterson at SportsCage on Twitter, um, like the guy who takes the time at Boomer9191 to say, didn't enjoy the old CFL either. Yeah, like, come on. He did say half t hashtag joke, but uh, you know what? Uh, that's, uh, yeah, but... I think he's calling the CFL a joke. It, yeah, uh, I was uh, I was just playing uh, playing uh, devil's advocate, so it's yeah. You're more positive than me, I guess. Uh, sometimes uh, we did have to play Kim Mitchell's "Go for a Soda," so I would stop yelling a few minutes ago. So we we had that going for us. 
Uh, there was one guy that suggested that they move the goalpost to the back of the end zone and let the players play. What, what does that do? What, 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 it makes kicking harder? Why I, I, would you move the goalpost to the back of a 20-yard end zone? <laughs> to, make, to, to just make li- kickers throw their hands up and say, I'm done, that's it, we're, we're done. Now, that, uh I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and we can say dumbest tweet of the week goes to the guy who says like what 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 are you going to gain for moving the goalpost back? I Every think... play usually goes out <laughs> wide anyways. The end zone's huge. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that people need to realize is that all these penalties aren't just the new illegal contact on the receiver. The players are it's all on them. There's so many offsides, there's so many holdings, there's so many procedures. It's uh, it's not all about the new rules. The new rules I think have made a positive impact. Now I put together a list. Last year, four players gained over a thousand yards either receiving or rushing. Yes. Four. <laughs> this How many year we for this year? Twelve. Well, actually, no. Nineteen. Wow. So Jerome Messam, John Cornish, Brandon Whitaker, Tyrell Sutton, Andrew Harris, Anthony Allen, and Paris Cotton. It's actually pretty crazy that the Riders could have two a thousand yard rusher rushers. And they're and, 0 4. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and when it comes to receiving, SJ Green, Weston Dressler, Adarius Bowman, Nick Moore, Bakari Grant, Emmanuel Arsenault, Chad Owens, Eric Rogers, Andy Fantuz, Chris Williams, Clarence Denmark, and Brad Sinopoli. Last year, there were three receivers that did it. And and Jamie said it, and I'm going to agree with him. There, There's a bit of a transition period for this so far, but it's been... Yeah, it's it's there I think it's going to come out I think it's going to come out better like you said offense is up, scoring is up, games are close. It's the old CFL. I'm bang on with with Jamie on this one. Can I just lump everybody together that said uh the refs were the reason that the Riders lost that game into one giant pot and uh throw a match on it and say you're all the dumbest tweet of the week? Yes, I, I do like that. I, I can totally get behind that. <laughs> all, all, all right. Now now to soften the blow before we get into the the pickums here. Um uh, can you can you go back to to go for a soda? Okay, yeah, I can do that. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's just let that baseline go for a bit. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Quickly, let's do the picks. Calgary, Ottawa. Um, only because I want to see Tyrell get his chest waxed. I'm picking Ottawa. I'm taking Calgary just so we can maybe go four for four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Toronto, BC. <laughs> I've got the Lions at home because that's a really 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 long trip, and the Argonauts will be tired and want to go to Sleepy Bay. I was legitimately going to go Argos. I'm still going to go Argos. Uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton. Uh, I'm picking with my heart on this one. I'm picking against you and uh, Jamie Thomas, two people smarter at football than I am. Uh, I think Winnipeg's offense wins over the Eskimo defense, and I'm going to kick myself for saying that. I'm going to take my Blue Bombers. Now, this is strange. All week I've been actually really considering picking Winnipeg. Are we going to agree? What? What? <laughs> Let me know about this. Do they have a they have a crazy losing streak in Edmonton, don't they? Uh, no, uh, I'm not there, so that'll probably help. <laughs> They've just oh, lost the last man. six games I've been at, and I'm not at this one. So there's a puncher's chance. I feel like I should look at the weather forecast for Edmonton on Saturday. Uh, uh, if it if it's going to monsoon, can I change my pick? <laughs> okay, I'm loading up the weather right now. Forty percent chance of showers on Saturday. Oh, man. Give you a weather I, jingle. I don't think. 
<laughs> I just don't think. <laughs> Listen, you're a professional. I taught you this when you interned. Read over the bed. <laughs> okay, I'm going Edmonton <laughs> because uh, we have to go four for four <laughs> one week. <laughs> Hamilton I, and Saskatchewan. <laughs> I got Hamilton. I'm taking Hamilton. You can pick your riders. Oh, no. I don't want to, but riders. <laughs> <laughs> the Thai cats are humming. <laughs> Green is the color. Football, we the really shame. suck at. <laughs> Football is the shame right now. Hey, I like that. Football is the shame. Very good. You know what? Uh, you're. I think the Riders are one loss away from the paper bag over the head with the eye holes cut out. I don't know why I'm, uh, I'm still positive about this, but I think it's, as I've said before, I compare every loss to six years ago, the 13th Man Grey Cup, and it's really not that bad. That's fair. That is like on levels of losing. That is like basically getting punched in the stomach, drugged, tied up in a, rolled up in a carpet, thrown off a bridge into an icy cold river, waking up when you're in the, in in the water, realizing that you're still wrapped up in a carpet, swimming your way to safety, getting up and then getting hit in the head with a crowbar. That's pretty much exactly how it felt. <laughs> so we are guaranteed to go four for four. Woo! A combined four for four because we picked complete opposites this week. Strategy. <laughs> Watch us both go two for two and we still feel great shape. Oh, my God. If there's a tie this week, I, I'm dying. If there, right. if there are four ties, I think that's the only thing that will ever stop the podcast. <laughs> All right. That does it for episode nine of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I'm Travis Curra. He's John Fraser. Once again, thank you to Jamie Thomas from Sportsnet for joining us on the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, 2 and Out CFL, and like, subscribe, review, whatever you do on iTunes these days. Get on there and do it. We'll talk to you next week.